Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another How We Solve episode. I'm really excited to have Greg Ashton here, who is the CEO of Grow, which is the fastest growing community for D2C brands in the world with tens of thousands of founders, marketers, entrepreneurs, and they get inspiration from their weekly newsletter and in-person events, which are super fun, held in non-traditional spaces like factories and art galleries and rooftop bars, which I'm looking forward to being part of very soon. And we talk today about how to build an amazing community. Thank you very much for being here, Greg. Pleasure to be joining you today. And do you want to give people like a little more background about you before we dive into how to solve community building? Yeah, of course. So Grow really started as an events company a few years ago, but during the pandemic, we've really evolved into a media company and we're serving the new era of emerging brands through in-person events that we hope to see you at in 2022. And also a lot of online content now for primarily emerging brand founders and marketers. We have a newsletter, we have virtual hangouts. So in a nutshell, we're really just a place for people from emerging brands to meet and form new friendships and equally as importantly, set up new partnerships to help them scale and grow. I think in business, the thing that I enjoy the most is connecting with other founders and learning from them and sharing what I've learned and spending time with like-minded people. Always good stuff comes from it. So yeah, I'm excited to chat with you about how to go about that. How did you start building this community and walk us through what worked, what didn't work? That's how we met David, right? Just through a kind of serendipitous meeting of friends in different places. And you just never know where those connections are going to lead. And here we are today. So yeah, it's really great to be delivering in-person events again after so long. And I think there's been a lot of pent up energy for people to meet up again. And we're excited to get people meeting in person again. Back then you originally started with a Slack group, right? Just invite a handful of people and you went from there. Like, how do you get more people and how do you engage them? I have a lot of questions. Yeah, we started with a Slack group. Back in 2018, it's a simple story now, but it was pretty eventful looking back. So I had about 15, 20 friends who were all founders of D2C brands and D2C marketers. And I realized that you could put people together in a cross-company Slack group. I don't think many people were using it for that purpose. I think it was mainly just kind of internal conversations that people were having. But yeah, I threw them all into a cross-company Slack group and asked them to chat about some of the challenges that they were facing as founders and as marketers. And before we knew it, we'd gone to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 marketers without spending any money on advertising. It was really just all through word of mouth. So it's been a really fast-paced ride in a way. And we've just kind of expanded all our services from there. So you did not do any like cold outreach and can only you invite people or is it curated or can everybody invite people into the group? So it's still primarily myself that approves or denies members. And that's shifting now as I kind of step away from the day to day, but you can invite people to the group. It sends an approval request and I do a little digging and make sure that people are a good fit for the group essentially. Somebody else suggests them or they ask to join and then you... Both. Okay. 
your approval processes, you're going to hand it off to somebody else. So like, you know, it has to have an operating uh, DTC brand, I guess, because there's like the focus to have like certain amount of revenue or what's the criteria. I've created events for a long time. And one of the problems that I find with most conferences in particular is just a kind of shark tank of vendors and solution providers trying to contact you and, and really just kind of sucking the air out of a lot of good conversations that would be taking place if they were not in a group. So the group is completely brand only, solution provider, technology provider free. And weirdly, it's become like self-policing in a way. Like if someone posts anything that seems a little salesy, I'll get DMs and people say, okay, let's get rid of this person from the group because we don't want like sales and pitches in here. So it really is a place for primarily zero to $5 million revenue emerging brands to just chat about what they are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And also a lot of the conversations are just around, okay, which tech provider should we use? Should we avoid this tech provider who's had experience in this area, et cetera, et cetera. And in the early days when you got started, was it around a, because you've been doing in-person events, was it around an in-person event and then kind of like taking these people all into the group? You said in 2018 you started, so this was before COVID and then during COVID. Yeah, I used to create a big e-commerce event. So I've been in e-commerce for a, a very long time. And just like every other founder, I realized that the corporate world was not for me, but I had built up a, a really solid roster of people. And so I decided to transfer all my relationships from my corporate job into Grow. Probably like all went organically for you, but do you do intros when somebody new comes in or do you like ask the question of the week or do you have like a set format? I always like to systematize things. Definitely. I know you're a big systematization guy, David. So yeah, I actually automate it. There's a lot of random kind of Slack tools that do all this for you. We have a weekly discussion topic, a weekly poll. There's also this thing called, I think it's called GreetBot. And it just randomly selects two people from 4,000 to just meet. And it makes the connection personally. So in the early days, I would be doing all of the intros and just trying to build it and build it. And then I just found a tool that did it for me. (laughs) It freed me up to focus on much bigger revenue driving projects. So sticking with tools, so you use GreetBot. Can you like name drop a few other ones? For the newsletter, we use Campaign Monitor. We'll probably switch over to Klaviyo just because their email automation. Because e-commerce? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We have GreetBot. We have Simple Poll. There's one called Donut in the Slack group that also provides intros. So I find a lot of success with those. Probably my secret weapon tool that I use for email outreach is Reply, reply.io. It's just a drip email software. And when I think of the thousands of hours that I would spend on cold emails and dripping people and following up with people and scheduling a time for me in my calendar to follow up with people, everything I do now is automated instead. And another great help for me has just been having virtual assistants. I think we talked about this in Carbo, but there's so many incredibly well-educated, incredibly articulate and amazing resources in places like the Philippines who are craving Western jobs and not Western salaries, but Western work essentially. So I believe the website is onlinejobs.ph and I've had two virtual assistants now for a very long time and they are amazing and I would highly recommend, even if you don't have a virtual assistant professionally, just in your personal life to have a virtual assistant is incredible. Absolutely. Little tip on this. Talk to a few friends of mine. They've often struggling to get it 
rolling with a virtual assistant, probably, because sometimes they have work, sometimes they don't. But it's been working for me is like having somebody who kind of works in your business, who kind of takes part of your assistant stuff over. Yeah, I think for me, my success there has been showing our assistants the importance of their work, because a lot of it is very admin base, as you can imagine. It's a lot of data building, but data building is like the crux of our entire business. So I really like to explain that without that role, we couldn't operate as a business. And I think a lot of those very simple tasks that we personally don't want to do as we get higher up in our companies, we forget that they are the kind of baseline fundamentals for everything. So yeah, I have virtual assistants and I speak to them as though they were really integral to the team, not just like an outsourced part of the team. They're actually fundamental to how we operate. I'd like to also dig in a little bit on how you use Reply.io and kind of what tasks you're doing it. So like engagement, I guess like it's inviting people to the upcoming in-person events or like what are the flows that you have? What we do is not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's just making sure that we are reaching out to people that will really benefit from being part of Grow. So the flows are pretty simple. Do you want to join the Slack group? We've got an event coming up. I found again from years of emailing people that the simplest emails work. I get hundreds of pitches a week now. And most of them suck. And not targets. Oh, 99.999% obviously. And I think there's a couple that I've saved recently that have cut through the noise. And they're usually just the ones that just get straight to the point and that don't try to bullshit me or like try and massage the ego of like a CEO. They're just like, this is something that you should be interested in. And that's really what we try and do with our emails too. Yeah, just got one who also invited me to an entrepreneurial group was after UpCoach was featured on Product Hunt. I was like kind of for, for creators because it's relevant. They know that, hey, it's the reason why, why they're reaching out. Like, hey, you were just featured there. We have a community for people like you. It's pretty straightforward. In terms of outreach, what has been working really well for me for UpCoach, I'm reaching out on LinkedIn to coaches, like always specific. It's Hey Greg, we've built up coach for sales coaches like you. Can I send you a quick video that explains you how it works? Very benign. It's not like, hey, let me waste your time. It's just like, you know, hey, it's specific for you. you want to see this video? And then they can say yes or no. And I have like a 48% positive reply rate. Nice. You're starting to use, or you have been using video to great effect. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a question for you. With trying to embed a video in an email, does that create problems? So I'm not doing it on email outreach. I'm only using it in LinkedIn outreach. And I think you can do the same thing if you don't embed the video in the first email. In the first email, you just ask like, hey man, can I send you a video? Then the second one, because if they reply to you, say yes, send it, then you already have a conversation going on. Then no email spam trigger alert thing will ever come up. And just like use a Loom video. This is what we're doing. For my outreach, I'm not doing a custom video. It's just like the one recorded about UpCoach. But I think in certain outreach scenarios, it makes sense that you have like an SDR or whoever create like a video specifically for that person, but I guess not in terms of community building more in terms of product sales. Nice. Let's stick with managing the community in terms of like, you already mentioned that it's self-policing now that the community grew, but how do you deal with trolls and how do you deal with getting this culture embedded into the community? Did it just like organically happen? Do you have a manifesto? To be honest, no, I've not really had any problems with that. So I think that really just comes down to being very strict in who we invite. And I don't have any, I probably should have processes in place, but it's grown so quickly that you know what it's like. You kind of just act first and then build the processes 
around it later. And I'm going to have to get to that point soon, but I'm not there yet with that. Switch to monetization. I mean, I assume you monetize by your in-person events, right? The Slack group, is it free or do people have to pay for it? It's completely free. Okay. And then monetization, the in-person events, I guess? That's right. Do you have different tiers for more exclusive groups or like within the group or how does it work? Yeah. And from the beginning of creating the community and, and we have the newsletter too, and or we have a lot of data now on a lot of great brands and great marketers. And obviously we never share that email data, but from the very beginning, I've had advice on on how to monetize it and monetize it as quickly as we possibly can, but it never felt right. And I guess that I still operate very much on instinct and what feels right. And it still doesn't feel right to charge for a service. We've talked about membership and tiers and offering access to different content and a scaling program for your business in different areas. So far, a lot of the work has been me. And I think, again, a lot of founders get to this point where I'm going through that kind of awkward transition from founder to CEO and trying to scale the team. And we have so many ideas as to how we could monetize. Primarily, it's through our main big events. But the pandemic forced us to reconsider that and think of alternative monetization strategies. And we've done that to great effect, actually. If anything, the pandemic's kind of accelerated our plans. But yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, we'll keep the community free. And as I personally begin to scale up the team and think about what really valuable other services we can offer and, and how we can evolve into a media company rather than just an events company, then we can have the conversation as to how do we actually charge for this. But as of now, I do think that if you provide as much value as possible, then the money will kind of eventually catch up. Money is a side effect of providing value. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm just going to let that sit over here for now whilst I solve the problems that the community has and just trust that the revenue, the money will just kind of catch up with us. I talked to my buddy Alex who runs SaaS Talk, which is a conference for, used to be like an only in-person conference for SaaS founders still very successful, but he transitioned to only online right now in the pandemic. And also did a How We Solve episode with him. And for him, it actually was a positive thing in terms of revenue and profit, switching to the, the only online version, even though everybody misses the in-person one, but you can definitely find ways on how to monetize it. Yeah. And I think there's a quote around necessity being the mother of invention. And we had to change things last year. Everybody did. And it caused us to think in, in new ways about how to solve a lot of things for our members. And the side effects of that has been profitability. If the conversation's in the community, but do you have like webinars, or like Zoom hangouts with people? Yeah, we do that regularly, almost weekly. That has been a really fun way for me personally to kind of spend time with the community over the last few months and kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever remember, I don't know if it was a controversial program, but it's called Chat Roulette. Yes, of course. <laughs> Do you remember Chat Roulette? I feel like I basically created like a market to Chat Roulette last year. With clothes or no clothes? <laughs> with clothes. <laughs> so people didn't know who was logging into those calls. Sometimes I wouldn't even know who was logging in. And we would have like very loosely structured call, just like this one, and see where it goes. And it was a lot of fun. How many people do you usually show up? Anything between four to eight people. Okay. 
And have you experienced with like having speakers kind of like announce like, hey, XYZ gives a talk on blah and bringing this to the community? Yeah. So obviously we've done big virtual events. We did a big virtual event last month where we had actual speakers and we had like an agenda and a run of show and that's great. But I really wanted to use the pandemic to our advantage in trying to create that kind of serendipity from online, the same kind of chance encounters that you would get in person. And so a very structured conference online it's fine, but I just think that it's been a lot more fun to have these kind of unstructured talks. For your in-person events, do you have structure to them? Or is it just kind of like what we did in Kabul, just like bring some people together and then kind of see what's happened? There is a lot of structure to the in-person events. And for 10 years, I've been creating like very, very structured conferences. And, and that's awesome. I think at its core, Grow is a kind of non-traditional conference company. And so we're always looking for new ways to just not feel like you're going to a hotel and you're putting on a name badge and you're in a room with like weird carpet and listening to a bunch of people that might be interesting, but probably aren't. So anything that we can do that's different in any way, we're just all for it. When you have your next event coming up, when and where? It's going to be in February in LA. We've hired out this oyster factory. <laughs> it's like a converted oyster warehouse in downtown LA and just a beautiful open space with a lot of plants and a lot of openness, essentially, to just kind of meet and get together. And we will have structure. There will be talks. There will be a bar. We'll have all, the, all that good stuff. But crucially, we will invite amazing people. That's what makes an event great. And in terms of sponsors, sponsorship packages, because I assume some people that listen here would like to get exposure to people who run D2C brands, certain people present as well, because like I have a few companies that could definitely be vendors for your audience. Do you share these publicly? Do you, you have packages or? Sure. Yeah, of course. We have sample lists of companies, emerging brands. We have demographics of what their revenue breakdown is, how much they're looking to spend. And yeah, of course, anyone can just email me, greg at growbrand. The reason that I wanted to talk to you and come on the podcast is to talk about solving the problem of how to build a kind of real community. And I saw a quote on Twitter, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, but it says that basically every business claims to have a community, but if you're not actually fostering connections between the members, then you basically just have an audience. You don't have a community. So that kind of hit me pretty hard, that mantra. And I think grow at its core is just a community of marketers. And I think that due to technology and how the world has changed a lot, particularly during the pandemic and even before the pandemic, just for our kind of millennial Gen Z generation, I think we're living at a time when most people are lacking that sense of belonging that comes from being part of a true community. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been back in Europe and I've been back in my tiny little hometown. I lived in New York for eight years and one of my favorite quotes from New York is like, everyone in New York is just someone from a, a small town just trying to make enough money so that they can go back to living in a small town. And it's a small town that I live in. And I think that most people know each other and they're interested in each other's lives and they want to help each other out. And that's not something that we get a lot, especially living in LA or where I live now or New York. So the question that you originally posed to me for this podcast was just, how do you build that community? And I think we are really trying to build an authentic 
truly authentic community that people want to be part of and that they get value from and that they tell other people about. And in a strange way, it just comes down to like human empathy and like the understanding of small towns and small communities, and then just scaling that belief into a much bigger community. I guess curation, as we already talked about, and also you talked about the introductions that you do now automated through these tools, but how are you facilitating this? I've thought about this a lot. And step one would be get out of the way and just like let your community members talk to each other naturally. And I think that a lot of so-called communities, especially in the tech world and a lot of sponsors of tech events and just tech companies in general, they have kind of so-called communities that try to force particular conversations or force particular content. But with Grow, I think that you're really just pushing things uphill by prescribing what people should discuss instead of letting those conversations just happen naturally and, and let connections just fall into place organically. And I think just in the Slack group in particular, people talk daily about challenges that they're facing and they're just asking really human questions like who is going through this as well. And the results to me are always just surprising in that everyone is the same and everyone is dealing with the same challenges, not just professionally, but personally too. And there's been great friends formed through Grow and everyone's the same. We've obviously created amazing collaborations between people and almost like I've got a little Petri dish here for forming relationships and, and collaborations. And marketers are in particular really helping each other out right now as well. I think during the pandemic, this new generation of marketers and emerging brands, they're just a lot less secretive than maybe the previous era. And they're much more open to sharing ideas and, and resources. And so we've just been able to conduct that electricity in a way. It's like, It was already there and we just provided a way for people to connect organically. When we were in Kabul, I think we didn't really talk about business at all. It was more about personal stuff, life, etc. And I think this is also in business. This is how you build this trust. And then this is the important thing that you have to have as a foundation before you do any type of business that this trust and interpersonal relationship is created before anything else happens. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in that as well. And I, even to this day, I don't think you and I have really spoke that much. <laughs> this is probably the most in-depth conversation about our businesses we've had so far. How often do you do the in-person events? So we do them once a year, but now that's going to be twice a year as we get back up and running. Most likely we'll go from twice a year to about six or seven. We actually have plans and, and resources in place now. We've not announced this yet, but we will be having significantly more in-person events in 2022 and in 2023. Big events, small events, happy hour events. The only requirement is that we keep people connected physically throughout the year. And it doesn't have to just be a kind of annual occasion anymore. Grow used to just be an annual occasion, but now we've realized, and again, the pandemic's just confirmed this, that we can do this much more regularly. Can I bring back SaaS talk? My, my buddy Alex, he has these local events. He has like SaaS talk Ljubljana for Slovenia and SaaS talk Latam and etc. So he has like these local versions of his conference, just like small scales. And he has like these ambassadors who are running those. Is this like a model that you'll also facilitate in different locations or you still focus on LA and New York? Yeah, I think still LA and New York, just because that's where our team 
spend most of our time. I would love to come to Europe. I know a lot of really exciting brands in the UK in particular, and I worked in UK e-commerce for two or three years. So hopefully some of those people are still there. And who knows, we could just throw 10 people in a Slack group in the UK. And before we know it, we've got thousands of European marketers in there. I'm sure that we could scale that pretty quickly as well. Yes, it'd be awesome. So I don't have to fly over to the States all the time. You can also come to Turkey. Our first event in, in, in Bodrum, Turkey, I'll help organize. Yeah, I'm hearing good things about Bodrum. I'm hearing very good things. Hope you're coming over soon. So step three was give people a place to year-round connect, which is Slack. Yeah, my step one was get out of the way and let people talk to each other. And then the step two was giving that forum, like we said, in the past, that forum is literally a forum, like a, a village square, or it's a physical marketplace where people visit each other and, and talk about the past and think about the present and then also what they're going to be doing in the future. And I think building a community today is pretty much exactly the same concept, but we just have these amazing tools, tech tools to augment that very human inclination of coming together and finding things in common with other people. You have a bunch of standard channels, like a general, a SEO, a PPC, and a blast. Yeah, we have a lot of channels, paid social, we have a recruitment channel, we have influence. Yeah, pretty much. We have a closed funding channel as well, which I'm personally trying to build out a kind of way for a lot of these emerging brands to access capital. And, and we have a lot of great connections within the grow community too that want to provide capital to these fast growing brands. So I'm trying to create a forum for that kind of connection as well. Going back to the personal connections that people kind of like share in-person stuff, for example, an EO forum, you talk about personal stuff as well. Do you have like a certain channel for this or is this usually just like happening in small private groups? I kind of toyed with the idea of a few channels that were not marketing related. Personal development type of stuff? Yeah, we had the thinking behind that was a kind of young marketer. She moved to New York and she didn't know anybody and she was recommended grow by a friend. And her testimony was, it was really great testimonial to get. It changed her whole life being in this group because she had really in-depth conversations and she made friends through Grow that she built her New York experience on it. So we kind of toyed with random channels like that. But one of my things that I dislike the most is like forced fun and like forced connections. And I've done so many conferences where I was told to like, oh, ask this question and like make sure that you make people talk about this. And I'm from England and we don't, we get like easily embarrassed and like easily awkward and the thought of being put on the spot. And especially if it's like, tell us a funny fact about yourself. That is not my forte. For a lot of people it is, but for me personally, it's not. <laughs> I'm German. I have no emotions. So fast is a little different, but <laughs> I can understand where you're coming from. Don't worry. We'll never put you on the spot at Grow. Let me just look at our doc. For Wasman community scales, it's important to make sure it retains initial value and intention. Yeah, this was kind of an afterthought when I was thinking of steps to build a community. I realized that now that Grow is, is scaling so rapidly, it's important for us to retain that initial draw and initial value and initial intention of connecting the best people with the best people. And we already touched on it, but we're still being very selective with who we actually get into the community. And we think about which 
growth marketer is truly like the best in the world on this particular topic. And we will ask that person to run a masterclass or who has a particularly strong opinion that doesn't potentially match everybody else's opinions on how you should go about your next influencer marketing campaign. And you would be surprised that there are actually some very diverse opinions in marketing. And there's a lot of major failures that go with every kind of success story. And we always like to highlight those stories as well. And I think overall, just making sure through your community that you're really adding value as you scale. And it's much easier said than done. I struggle with that. I'm always like a systematized fanatic. Having a manifesto could maybe help or having like clear community mission, vision values of the organization so everybody can point everybody else out like, hey, this is not in line with like how we do things here to make the self-policing even easier for the group. Yeah. Funnily enough, you mentioned that, but our next hire as a community manager, um, that is literally in the job description that I put together this morning. Very cool. So if you're looking to manage the community at Grow DDC Brands, if this is your thing, hit up Greg. And how can people find you, find the community? Where can they apply? Our website is growbrand.co. And there's a page there to apply to our next event, which is Grow Los Angeles in February 2022. You can message me personally as well. I'll always reply. The website is actually growbrand.co. We've done a bit of a rebrand during the pandemic. We no longer use grow.co. So I just noticed that down at the bottom of the page, but uh, yes, growbrand.co. Cool. And then last but not least, a how-to question. How do you promote your community? As we said, as a community leader, you just get out of the way and let your members talk to each other. And I think that word of mouth is by far the easiest and cheapest way to promote anything. And it's a real litmus test of whether you're building a community that's any good in the first place. And as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of so-called communities try to force particular conversations or force particular content, but you're definitely pushing things uphill by doing that instead of just letting those conversations and connections just fall into place organically. Step two, we talked about it, give people that forum to meet and connect, whether it's online or whether it's physically. In our case, the Slack group, the newsletter, the hangouts, the in-person events. We have also a new Ready, Set, Scale masterclass program launching very soon, where we're just going to deep dive into email marketing and basically just give everyone the tools that they need to become badass email marketers based on hundreds of conversations that we've had over the past couple of years. But yeah, I think as the kind of final point I'll make just around building a community is just asking people to connect year round and giving people that place to talk year round and make people feel like they're actually part of a community. And I think that that feeling in itself is really important. It reminds me of your favorite sports team. It's hard to explain why you feel so strongly about your team. All you know is that it's your team and that's the end of story. So if we can make people feel in that way, then I think we're onto something in terms of building a really popular and successful value-adding community. It's time for grow brand jerseys, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. We already have them, I think. <laughs> ah. <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Thank you very much for being on the show. I learned a lot. want to build a community as well for people who have companies with over 100 employees. 
just like from a personal need because I like to exchange thoughts with people who are kind of going through the same problems that I'm facing. For those of you who are into D2C, check out growbrand.co and show up to the Grow LA event on Thursday, the February 24th. And if you want to reach out to Greg, if you want to apply for the community manager role, it's greg at growbands.co. Oh yeah, we would love some applications actually. I can use the podcast as a recruitment channel here. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to join Grow, let me know. Awesome. Amazing. Thanks, David. I really appreciate your time and love the podcast and love everything that you're doing and look forward to seeing you in LA in a few weeks. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.